You're listening to the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. Now here's your hosts, Kevin, Derek, and Alex. All righty, welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Derek, and I am joined by your co-hosts, Kevin and Alex. Guys, how are we doing tonight? We're, I'm doing great, man. Week two's in the books. Um, another pretty damn successful uh fantasy weekend for me so i was i was super happy about that overall went uh what was it 20 25 and 12 this weekend i believe that's what i was last weekend is too so i'm keeping up with that 66 percent clip um but i think they're uh in all the money leagues i think i only lost in one of the money leagues this week so i'm coming into a tuesday pretty damn happy and and ready to uh hammer that waiver wire I have got an issue in our home league, the good old boys league that we um, started, you know, this whole podcast on um, two weeks. There have been teams that have scored over 500 points. And if you haven't heard us talk about it, we do scoring on steroids. It used to be that 440 points, 450 points was a really, really good week. That number has been changed uh, because of the transfer of platforms and different scoring um, rules that we've had. Um, There have been two weeks where teams have scored over 500 points in this early season. Keep in mind, there's been two weeks in the season. Each time that a team has scored over 500 points, your boy has been on the losing side of that. So it's fantastic. It it took a Aaron Jones, miraculous, amazing stupendous Monday night football game for me to touch over 500 on you though. So it's not that I was projected to hit that and just run away. You and I were pretty close coming into Monday night, but after the third quarter started, all hopes of that went right out your window. Here's the worst part. I got the award. We're on sleeper. I got the award sleeper hands out, you know, the weekly awards that we have. And I got the award for best manager. I could not have put together a more perfect lineup. I still lost by mm, 80, 88 points. I put together the best roster I could. I lost by 88 points. Well, at least you put together your optimal lineup there. And yeah, it sounds like you, uh, you know, might make a, for what purpose, (laughs) you know, honestly, most weeks though, that's something to be said. Like there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people who lose fantasy football seasons at a time because they don't know how to optimize their lineup. You optimized it and in, in a losing effort, but you can at least say, Hey, I gave it everything my team had. Like there was nothing that happened that I could have done differently. The other team just scored more points than mine did this week. Like, you don't kick yourself after that loss. It's the one where you have, you know, uh, in, in one of my leagues at work, I changed some things around and I did not think Gronk was going to go for another two touchdowns. So I put Kyle Pitts in thinking, okay, Pitts is coming in. They're going to be trailing. It'll be back and forth against Tampa Bay. Here we go. And sure as shit, Gronk scores another two (laughs) touchdowns and I'm going, what the crap and sure enough that made the difference i ended up losing that week because i played kyle pitts instead of thinking rob gronkowski was going to have two touchdowns and four total in the first two weeks of the season right that's that's red zone robbie you're talking about right there for those of you that didn't watch the monday night manning cast first off what's wrong with you second off watch the monday night manning cast they had rob gronkowski on it was best it was the best 
So yeah, Alex, you could have, you know, again, you could have been like me on that week one of the, uh, the Scott fishbowl there. I, I left Gronk on the bench and had uh, Matt Ryan in as the starting quarterback where uh, yeah, both of those would have been a, a difference changing type of performance there. So there is something to be said about, um, you know, playing that optimal lineup. And while it may still hurt taking that L it's still better than uh, taking an L because you just messed up the lineup. Um but I got, like I, got that, so. I got AC this week, I think, in our in our home league. So uh bet the over on uh five hundred points for AC this week if if the trend continues. Honestly, I'm betting the over because Christian McCaffrey gets to go up against the Houston Texans on Thursday night football. It's gonna be a this is a rough, rough start to the season for the uh, <sighs> the off constantly bunch. <laughs> Murderers row. Yep. Welcome to aren't you glad that you were you won that championship last year? <laughs> it could be a while before I taste that again. So we got a comment coming in here, boys. I got eliminated in a guillotine league for not subbing out Jacobs. Uh, that is coming from uh shooter shoot basketball podcast. Uh, Kenny chiming in good, uh, good friend of the show. We've had him on before. And yeah, that is, was that, that is ours? Rough. No, that, that was not in ours, but uh, that one is, uh, is always rough when you get that. We uh, Kenny, we also went through and had, the chop downs today on uh, the good old boys guillotine league and two teams met their fate today. Uh, so I, I do understand you. I love the, uh, love those guillotine leagues though. They are a ton of fun to, to play with guys. If you haven't done so already hop over onto YouTube real quick for us, hit the subscribe button, hit the ring button. We do this show three times a week uh, for you live during the season. And that's one of the best ways to help support this independent podcast. And we very much appreciate y'all chiming in, in the comment section as well, throw out those questions. We will happily answer those for you. And Kenny saying that he lost uh, uh, JT Jacobs, Amari and Russ. Yeah, that is, that is rough. That is rough. Hey, but on the plus side, you don't have to worry about that league anymore. True. That is true. <laughs> one fewer league to worry about. <laughs> Hopefully you have enough that you can still worry about and that one you're only one. Right. All right. Another comment coming in here to start us off with. What are y'all thinking about CEH? All right. So I'll bring this up to the group because this is perfect. I was just offered tonight in, in a league that I have with some work buddies. Um, I was offered a first round pick for next season and a second round pick for 2023 for CEH. And I'm really on tilt, whether I'm going to end up taking that or not. I'm just through the first two weeks of the season. He is not involved. Like I thought he would be. He's not producing like I thought he would. It has nothing to do with the fumble. It was his first career fumble. It was bad timing. And it's not that it's, it's just the, Patrick Mahomes is in love with his right arm and Andy Reid is pretty content in letting Patrick Mahomes be in love with his right arm. And it's just not coming to fruition through two weeks the way I thought it would. Now, that being said, I don't know that I'm ready to give up just yet. You had to spend a lot of draft capital on him, right? Like you took him at the back end of the second top end of the third. If you can get, if you can get a solid wide receiver for him, maybe that's not the worst deal in the world. I mean, hell, if you can get if you can get Corey Davis and Tony Pollard 
for CEH right now, I'm probably smashing yes and taking Corey Davis and Tony Pollard. Like that's where I'm at currently with CEH. But the upside still is there for him to be a top 15 back because he's in one of the more prolific offenses in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, and in the the home league there, I drafted Ceh at the top of the third, and I'm still holding out hope for that one that we see a little bit of a turnaround here. But you're right, Kevin. I'm looking at looking at these games, watching these things go through. This is not the workload I was expecting. This wasn't how I really had seen seen him going to be involved coming into this season. So it's one of those that I am getting a little bit more nervous. But again. We are only two weeks into a season. Don't panic. Um, we see a lot of that this time of year where folks are dropping people that they shouldn't necessarily drop. Uh, we had a couple of questions come in on players that, you know, should I drop this guy to try and pick up this guy? No. If you've got a if you got somebody with some name power, right? And CEH has a little bit of name power because he's got the draft capital behind him. You can find a trade partner in your league to to make that happen instead of trying to drop him or, or move on there um, that way. Find a trade partner and and get that done that way. Um, SS Basketball Pod saying that uh, after that guillotine chop, he's only got eight leagues left, uh, but his fiance loves that and uh, saying to have a great show. Shoot or shoot basketball podcast. We will have a great show. Thank you for that one. Uh, guys, let's go ahead and head on over into the recaps here of week ones. What were your takeaways? What were your surprises of week one or week two? Sorry, week two. Uh, I think... I think I'm going to lead off with, are the Chiefs as good as we all think they are? Like, the Chiefs had to scratch and claw miraculously to win a game against the Cleveland Browns that Cleveland gave away just as much as Kansas City won. And then they play a Baltimore Ravens team that was coming off a short week, a Monday night overtime loss. Um, the loss of another member of the secondary. Um, hell, they probably just lost another running back and no one even noticed, right? Like the, the, the Ravens were riddled with injuries and they ran it down the Chiefs' throat the exact same way Cleveland did it in the first half. So I think we're starting to see a trend here. And until the Chiefs can commit to stopping the run, these teams that are capable of with powerful offensive linemen who can run a play action pass are going to give the chiefs fits guys. Like we're finding the solution to some of this is yeah, you need to be efficient on the ground to be able to still put up 25 to 30 points and really make the chiefs work for it. But they're also not stopping anybody. So Chubb had a great game. Um, Tyson Williams had a really good game. I still don't know why they're splitting time with this kid. He's clearly the best back Baltimore has like clearly, but the chiefs defense is, is just not good right now. And we're going back like the last, the chiefs haven't won a game by more than seven points in the last nine, nine games. I believe it is. I think Denver was the last team that they beat by more than seven points. Yes, some of that's playoffs, but for as prolific as that offensive is, it's like it's wondering why you can't put teams away, right? The defense won't let them put teams away because they keep letting the opposing units back into the game. 
Yeah, as a Broncos fan, it it uh, brings me great joy to see the Chiefs struggling. And hopefully this isn't just a flash in the pan. Hopefully they're not like last year's Tampa Bay Buccaneers that figure it out, you know, 12 weeks into the season and then run the table, which is very possible with the Chiefs. But um, that is but, that is something that has caught my attention. Do you like the Broncos' chances against the Chiefs more now, though, after seeing them for two weeks than you did – Coming no. into week one. No, no. See, I do. <laughs> Not I, I absolutely do. I, I don't. And here's why I don't. It's it's a simple, for me, it's a simple equation of the Broncos. I don't know that, that the Broncos are going to be able to put up more than 24 to really about 24 points is their ceiling game in, game out. Um, yeah, that as far as putting points. Too. That's Correct. what they've done against bad teams. Correct. So I like that's where I see their ceiling as far as scoring points. And while that defense has been really good, I don't know that that defense is good enough to keep the Chiefs under 30 points. So while it's probably closer on that matchup than than what we may have thought going in, into the season, I still think that you're going to see that that be about a 30 to 24 type of game when it's all said and done. I also think there's something to be said too about, you know, the lack of preseason work for, for the ones, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, it takes, it takes a second. I think we saw that with the Packers uh, in week one, the, none of those guys had preseason work. Their first snaps were meaningful snaps. Um, and it, and it, it's kind of like, you know, the situation last year where there was no preseason and everybody's first snaps were meaningful snaps, but that wasn't the case this year because, because there was a preseason and teams were allowed to, you know, get some work in and get some game situation in, um, when it didn't matter, it didn't count. Um, so I think that, you know, there's some rust, there's some things that they're working out. Uh, good teams find a way to win those games. Uh, okay. Teams will lose those games, uh, and then figure it out along the way. But the chiefs, the chiefs, I think are a good team and they've found a way to win those games with the exception of the close one and the heartbreaker, you know, that they were in that game. They had every right to win that game, uh, against Baltimore, but, you know, g- great teams find a way to win. Okay, teams they'll find a way to lose. I think the Chiefs are closer to great than they are to okay. Uh, as for my takeaways from uh, Week Two, uh, there is a problem in Dallas, uh, and that problem is for Zeke Elliott owners because that problem goes by the name of Tony Pollard. And right now, Tony Pollard looks like the best running back on the Dallas roster. And he's backed it up with his performances. So I know that a lot of Zeke fans if, or Zeke fantasy owners, if they were smart, they grabbed his handcuff because we know that Zeke isn't going to play a full season. It's not, I don't want to say it's his fault, but he runs violently. And when you run violently, you take violent hits. And for better or worse, you're going to miss time because of that. The body is not meant to do that. Uh, so if you were smart, you grabbed Tony Pollard, but now you're kind of in this situation of, would I rather start Tony Pollard? Because you're, if you're not starting him, you're seeing all those points on your bench. So, so I have some questions and I know Kevin, you're in this boat because you are a Zeke owner and you are smart enough that you grab Tony Pollard in most of the leagues, if not all of the leagues that you have Zeke. So the question to you is, and to everybody who's got Zeke, and if you're out there, you want to chime in in the comments, please do so. Which one are you going to start in week three? Are you willing to play both? Or are you going to cut ties with one or the other and see what you can get for value and then run the risk of not having that handcuff for the rest of the season? 
I'm playing Zeke. If the matchup's right and I don't like the options that I have in a flex spot, I will play both, and I'm not looking to trade either one. So Zeke's timeshare is still three to one, almost four to one. Like Zeke is still dominating the timeshare. So Tony Pollard has done a very good job making the most of his opportunities. And isn't that what we want a change of pace back to be? Right. That's what you want your change of pace back to be in the NFL, whether it's way back when um, with Mike Allstott and work done, right? Like you wanted your change of pace back to be uh, effective and to cause a disruption to the other team's defense. I, I think this works perfectly. Honestly, how the Cowboys played against the Chargers is their recipe for success. It's not Dak throwing the ball 58 times a game. It is finding a way to let Zeke and Tony Pollard have a combined 28 to 35 touches a game. That is the Cowboys recipe for success because it keeps the pressure off the defense. While they've been opportunistic, they're still leaky at best. They still gave up a ton of plays. There were a lot of penalties from both teams in that game. So it didn't just come from one side. But this is why we hammered. If you're taking Zeke, you have to get Tony Pollard. We, we hammered this. Like, is, is Pollard playing a little bit better than I anticipated? Yeah, through two weeks, he sure is. When it comes down to crunch time, Who's going to who's gonna be in the game? It's going to be Zeke. And we saw that. Tony Pollard did his damage through the third quarter. Once the fourth quarter hit, it, it was Zeke. It wasn't Tony Pollard making those splashes. It was Zeke who they set to run off tackle. It was Zeke who they split out between um, Tyrone Smith and Zach Martin running through um, running through the B gap. It, it wasn't it wasn't Tony Pollard. So I'm not freaking out about it. But I kind of like it, honestly, because now it gives me another weapon. So if I have a receiver go down, if I have my other running back go down, I'm not freaking out and making some foolish trade to try and fill that spot in. I can survive a couple weeks playing Zeke and Tony Pollard, I think, and still have success throughout the season. Yep, I would agree with that. I do think that uh, that the timeshare is still going to favor Zeke. Uh, it may be a little bit more of a committee than that we necessarily thought coming into it, but yeah, this it really is one of those that you've got a little thunder and lightning kind of going on there, right? Like you've got Zeke that's going to be the power back there and be able to um, to get you get you the yards when you need it type of thing, uh, and Tony Pollard coming in there to to really you. Know, Kind of light the world on fire with some of those some of those sprints that he got uh, got going there. But one last thing, and it's something that we don't know about Tony Pollard is with him not being a full time starter in the NFL. Right, he's been playing behind Zeke his entire career. It's great that they're using him more, but how does his body or how is his body truly going to hold up? Like if they can keep Zeke fresh at the beginning of the season, and then. If one of those backs gets nicked and needs to play for two weeks solo, and then maybe the other back gets nicked and plays for two weeks solo, like something something of that nature. But I sure don't want Tony Pollard to get injured, but can he take the amount of hits that is going to come with this increased workload? And we've just never seen that before at the NFL level. 
Right. Yeah. My, uh, my takeaway was still very similar to last week's takeaway, right? And that's don't panic. We're two weeks into this thing. You've seen a lot of, you know, we've got a lot of kind of questions coming in through the, uh, through the DMS, through the socials asking, Hey, should I make this trade? Should I make that trade? A, a lot of these things and folks are, are taking less value than, than they probably should on some of these things. While some of these guys are going through and are, they're making a splash and you're seeing some guys potentially breaking out here. Uh, some of these other guys here, remember you're two weeks in, right? Like had you done that same formula after week one and you traded off Aaron Jones because of, you know, Oh my gosh, how the Packers offense looked and it's not good. And this thing, you would have just missed out on one of the most amazing performances that we've seen for fantasy in a long time. Like he put up a great deal. And so when you do that, right, don't panic two weeks in, Slow down. If you have some questions, you can certainly ask us. We'll give you our two cents on that. What's up, Alex? I was going to tell you a real, this very real world uh, scenario that happened uh, in my uh, league that I'm in with my high school buddies. Um, I have, it was an auction draft and I wasn't really paying attention at the time. Uh, I have both Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. And let me tell you the frustration level after week one, because those guys did diddly squat in week one and i was ready to unload one of them i'm I'm ready i'm ready to get rid of one of them i don't care which one it is i'm ready to unload now in this league it's not a super flex league so quarterbacks uh they're out there so quarterback isn't as valuable as a running back so i'm looking around and i'm trying to figure out who i can shop aaron jones to and uh i realized that after the week one performance I'm not going to get the value that I think that I would get for Aaron Jones because of what he is, but not for what he showed. And I think that 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 these thoughts creep into my mind as I'm going through all these scenarios in my brain. He's he's not I'm not going to get the return that I want out of Aaron Jones. And now I'm looking at it like I'm not getting rid of either of these dudes. <laughs> I'm going to hang on and try and ride this wave. It's a it's it's a uh, a silly stack because it's a running back and a quarterback. But uh, if Aaron Rodgers wants to do that little flip pass from the five-yard line that counts as a touchdown pass for both he and uh, Aaron Jones, I'll take that play all day. All day right. I'll take that play. And, and that's you, you're just you're, you're speaking to that point there, and I love uh, you know real-world examples on that. We have a question coming in, a uh, Facebook question, and this one coming from Gail. Will Cam Newton be picked up by someone? I probably – it seemed I like was every thinking time it was I flipped on Twitter. It seemed like every time I flipped on Twitter on Sunday, there was a tweet from Schefter saying another quarterback's gone down, another quarterback's gone down. Right. And I feel I, awful for Craig and our lead who made the deal with Kevin to get Tyrod Taylor last week, gave up Calvin Ridley, which I thought was a lot. Um, but in a super flex lead, uh, starting quarterbacks are valuable, and there are none on the waiver wire. There are no starting quarterbacks in a 12 team league super flex. And uh, so I thought, you know, hey, smart move, get you a quarterback because quarterbacks do score a lot in our league. Uh, And then uh, he had Tyrod on his bench who got hurt. And then he had Tua in one of his, uh, I think it was in a super flex spot, who had negative 0.63 points before he went out with with his injury. And I tell you what, it seemed like every time I, I opened up my Twitter app, there was a tweet from Schefter, another quarterback's gone down. It was Baker at one point. It was, you know, Andy Dalton at one point who he came back and then left again. Um, you know, Baker's was, was short lived. Uh, Tua's obviously was, was uh, a game ender. Um, but 
with the way that the quarterback situation is going, the only reason I think that Cam may not get picked up is because of how much he's going to cost. He's not coming in on a veteran minimum. I mean, that that's that was pretty much unlikely. what he was playing with already this season. Like he was playing like a million exactly, dollar type of contract. He, he's not going to do that because he now has the power. Right. Right. And these teams are desperate. They want him. But you didn't see anything about any of these teams coming to reaching out to him for a right. workout. Right. Like if any team was going to reach out right now, it would be the Houston Texans. Right. And they they seemingly want no part of it and and remember the reason he took this sweetheart deal with the pats was because when he got released from carolina no one wanted him like there is some stigma around cam newton and whatever that is but it's obviously within the nfl circles that we're not going to bring this guy in like they don't think my perception is they don't think he can throw particularly well when he runs, it's just one more hit to that big body of his that that has absorbed a ton of punishment over his career. And quite frankly, he is a shell of the MVP version of Cam Newton that we saw just four years ago. I'll add, right. I'll add to that. Um, he was on a, an interview somewhere. I don't, I don't know if that it was a podcast or some interview that he gave. Um, and he was talking about, you know, I got cut because – um, Mac Jones could not have handled me being a backup. The Patriots didn't want to have me as a backup. I'm too big of a personality to be a backup. So I got cut. And I think that that's, that there's some truth to that. Right. Like they, we were saying that last year when Carolina released him is that if a team was going to go out and get them, he, he had to come in as a starter because of the fact that I don't know that, um, that he really can play that second fiddle, right? Like some guys, like they're destined to be that backup quarterback and they're destined to be that, that role type of player on that. And Cam Newton is, is, I don't know that that's, that's his style to, to be the backup Q- QB, uh, you know, be that guy because he's got, um, he's got a, he's got a big personality, right? Like won the Heisman has was the number one overall draft pick. Like he's got some really, really good things. Took a thing, took a team to the Super Bowl and, he's got a style of play that, that, and a, and a personality that fits that style of play that I just don't know that you're going to see a lot of teams uh, rushing out to try and get a, um, get a quarterback that is, you know, what we really saw last year was more of a, more of a running back type of style, style QB than, than really a passing pocket passer type of guy that threw the ball down the field. Yeah. It, the two teams that have had to put their starting quarterback on IR haven't even sniffed at him in the Washington football team and now the Houston Texans. And if that doesn't tell you anything, then you you need to be evaluated a little bit because they need quarterback help. And yes, Heineke played well last Thursday night, but just in general, they need quarterback depth to go along with it. And they're content riding, riding with the horses they have on the team and not bringing in a personality from the outside. Right. So, alrighty, guys. So let's go ahead, and we're gonna head on over. We've got the next segment, which is one of uh, one of Alex's favorites here. And as soon as I can find the graphic here, we'll get that going. But... I don't know why I'm so bad at it that <laughs> it shouldn't be my favorite. It's maybe my favorite because I came up with the concept, but beyond that, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> 
Alrighty, guys. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't look like the video file is going to play here. So we're just going to rock and roll with the pine and the shine. I don't know what music we had. Alrighty. So, guys, let's go ahead and start it off. We'll go with the pines and then the shine. So who were your pines and how'd you do off of them? All right. My pine this week was James Robinson. I said going up against Denver's defense. Um, I was not a favorable matchup. Um, and eh, he had 11 carries for 47 yards, um, three catches for 17 yards. It, it was an okay performance. It was certainly not an RB1 performance. Derek, where'd he finish? He finished with 11 carries for 47 yeah, yards. Did he finished in the running back pecking order. Do you have that? <laughs> Pulled up. I don't have that. Uh, yeah, I but it wasn't very good. So, so I would say I I will take I will take a I got this one right because it was not that great of a week for James Robinson. No, it certainly wasn't. All James right, so- Robinson was uh, running back thirty. Just FYI. Thank you. So I'll take that one. This will be a short lived celebration until we get to the shine portion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my pine, I, I don't know how this ended up happening, but I, I missed on my pine, which was Michael Pittman. He came out of nowhere against this Rams defense who, uh, apparently they were sleeping at the wheel a little bit, but Michael Pittman ended up eight of 12 for 123 yards, arguably his greatest game as a professional, um, just missed the end zone, but you know what? If you started him, you were starting him as a flex, maybe a wide receiver too. If you did something weird um, in in deep leagues, but uh, I, I'm going to say I missed that one. Michael Michael Pittman put up a hell of a performance for going up against a defense that I, I expected stats a third this size. Yep, he finished uh, wide receiver 14 on the week there. Mine was Saquon Barkley, and I'm going to say that that one was a hit. Uh, finishes running back 32 on the week and 13 carries for 57 yards, two receptions for 12 yards. So I think I hit on that one. But how how like how much was it like the um, the fact that I called him to be a pine and early in that game he rips off a 41 yarder and that seems to be this the recipe for my undoing in the uh, the pines that I call a running back and they make a big long pre- big long play. <laughs> Except for at one point in that game, he had six carries for 39 yards, and that was after he had run the 41-yarder, which is really, really hard to do. It is hard to have six carries for two yards less than your longest run. That That's damn near impossible. So Saquon did something damn near impossible on Sunday. Absolutely. Thursday. Yeah, that's what I said. You just misheard me. Yeah, that's that's what it was. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to boast the crap out of my shine because this uh, is the second should. week in a row that you I have should. absolutely smashed the shine. Week one, Corey Davis and his stellar performance against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, week two, Aaron Jones, Monday Night Football. 17 carries, 67 yards, and a touchdown, but six receptions, 48 yards, and three tutties. Aaron Jones was RB2 on the week um, and absolutely smashed it for me. Yeah, four 
couple touchdowns. That's a heck of a performance. Uh, okay, back to uh, my short-lived celebration. Uh, I said my shine would be Allen Robinson against Cincinnati. Uh, he had two catches on four targets for 24 yards. He did he did find the end zone, which kind of a saving grace. But, guys, <laughs> Andy Dalton getting hurt early didn't help. Uh, Justin Fields coming in and the Chicago Bears' refusal to throw the football didn't help. Uh, after that, they had 83 passing yards combined uh, in that game. Um, when you subtract sacks out of out of passing yardage, like they do in the NFL, uh, 83 passing yards as a team in that game. Um, Fields had 60 passing yards. Dalton had 56. So even if you don't take sacks out, they, they barely bust the century mark uh, in passing yards. Uh, that game, I think the dynamics of that game changed. Uh, so I will take I will take the L. Uh, on picking Allen Robinson, but I don't think it was my fault. I think the the quarterback situation in Chicago is what what ruined me. And now I'm a little nervous as an Allen Robinson owner because apparently Justin Fields doesn't like to throw the football his way. Well, how much of that though? Because he had a he also had a touchdown uh, called back, didn't he? Yeah, I believe so. Part so, part of this is on Matt Nagy. Right. Like you've had all offseason, you were giving him some work with the ones. Like yes, you may not be completely comfortable with what he's doing. Yes, you had a positive great game script and it helped that your defense continued to bail you out. Um but part of this is on Matt Nagy and calling those offensive plays. Like I don't think he put Justin Fields in position for success. And by not putting Justin Fields in position for success, your your pass catchers all suffer as well. So no, not completely your fault because he started out um what two of three for for the 24 yards and the touchdown, and then he just got ghosted. Um but honestly, this is the one downside about Allen Robinson is he's pretty consistent most of the time, but there are one or two games a year where the quarterbacks just forget he exists for whatever reason. And that's part of the reason Robinson wanted out of Chicago to begin with, guys, when we were talking about, is he going to stay? Are they going to tag him? All those things, because he is the most underrated and underappreciated wide receiver one in the NFL. Absolutely, guys. We do have another co- another question coming in, and we'll uh, we'll hit that one up as soon as I hit up my pa- or my shine, which was DK Metcalf, who had a rather not great day of uh, six uh, six receptions, eleven targets, fifty three yards, kind of a, just a mid performance. Uh, definitely thought that he would ball out, and you'd see over a hundred yards uh, receiving on that one. So that one really didn't. Uh, um, didn't help me out. So guys, let's go ahead and head over to the, uh, to the comment is coming in through one of the, uh, through one of the socials here. And Hey, quick question. He's in a 10 man league and someone dropped Devonte Williams. It's a hundred dollar fab league. And I'm curious how much should I spend? He still has $100 for his fab. What are your thoughts here? On his roster right now on his bench, he has Melvin Gordon. Um, and so, uh, this was something you sent, sent to us early. So on his bench, on this, this particular question askers, uh, bench is Melvin Gordon. And if you want to play the game, like we were kind of talking earlier about, you know, Tony Pollard and Zeke, except for a much less explosive offense. Uh, do you want to play the game of which Broncos running back do I start? Then I would say, go ahead and offer up, you know, 
15 to 20, make it an odd number. So you might get a chance to win out on the fab, but somewhere in that 15 to $20 range. Otherwise, I don't think this guy really needs that help with Javante uh, Williams because he's got Christian McCaffrey, he's got Joe Mixon, and he's got Najee Harris. So you don't need to break the bank to get Javante Williams on your team, especially when you've got Melvin Gordon on the bench. Yeah, I think that feels about right. 20 to 25% of your fab budget for a guy who pretty much industry-wide, we think the back end of the season is really going to explode onto the scene. Um, Looking at the roster, honestly, I I think the guy that I would drop would be LaVisca Chenault. Like, I I just – I don't think this Jaguar team is impressive after watching the Broncos play him. I think that, that yes, they're going to be playing from a negative game script all year long, but it it, Chenault's not a guy that I've I've been high on coming into this season. So for me – and how the roster looks, that's the guy that I would drop to do it if if that's the move you're wanting to make. Yep, and I'm kind of right there with what Kevin just said. Uh, LaVisca Chenault would be my first target on the drop with that, and I'd probably be spending um, – in that, I'd probably put 26 bucks on the line for a fab deal. Um, now, that being said, most likely you're not going to win that uh, win that one with the 26 fab and how most of these leagues work for a running back. Um, if you're really wanting to get get your guy and that's your dude, you know, you're probably going to have to be upwards of 30 to – 30 to 40% even if that's really what you want to do to win that one. Um, But I'd throw a nice little healthy offer out there of about 25% of my fab budget, call it 26 bucks, just so I'm slightly over that and be looking to drop LaVisca Chenault if I need to do that. Um, And it's one of those that you're playing, you're playing the back half there, right? Because just like we just talked about, we're, we're anticipating a switch between Melvin Gordon into a Javante Williams uh, type of thing during the back half of this season. So Julio, I hope that answered your question. If, uh, if you have any others, throw them in the the comments and guys out there watching, if you guys have any questions, anything like that, throw them out there. We love talking, uh, talking for those and helping you guys, uh, try and win some cash and trophies guys. I think that wraps up the pine and shine. That's going to go ahead and move us on over into the sports me, uh, takes. We, we went over to sports me. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with it, it's a new app out there. Um, kind of a, uh, social media deal for sport for folks that really like talking sports and um, and you know watching people give takes back and forth on that. You can download the app, get sportsme.com, um, give your take and join the conversation. But we went over there and we're asking the question on the the clutch and not so much. So that's one of the segments we do, and we'll get to the our clutches and not so much is after that. But we asked the question of who came up clutch and who was not so much for your fantasy team in week two. <laughs> Hey, Derek. My uh, story here won't be original, but um, I needed 22 points out of Aaron Jones last night. Um, And not only did he show up, but he helped me rebound from a pretty bad week one in a league um, to move from last place into sixth place at one and one. So I was pretty happy to see that. I can definitely build off of that. So hope you're having a good day. Aaron Rodgers and I needed Derek Henry. I need both those dudes to have unbelievable games. And they had unbelievable games. Summer, how many touchdowns did Aaron Rodgers have? He had four. And Derrick Henry, one out of every four games, the dude just puts up the best numbers ever. <laughs> and he helped me. Could have used a little more points in my wide receivers, but ultimately it was fine. What's good, sports me? So, Clutch, Rondell Moore. 
Tony Pollard, all these guys that were riding my bench in about 11, 12 leagues that I'm in. Yep, Sleeper thinks I'm the worst manager of all time with that weekly report. It is ugly. Yeah, lots of bench, more bench Pollard, bench Cortland Sutton. Ugh. I better start these guys eventually. Yeah, for me, Derrick Henry came through, and uh, Cooper Cup definitely came through big for me. I needed all those points too. So lots of lots of good fun over there, um, and talking about those sleeper reports there again. So Alex, uh, uh, he had the opposite <laughs> experience. So uh, a lot of fun there. We have another comment coming in here. Uh, this one coming from Twitter and JSB. Uh, underscore 728 says he actually traded Melvin Gordon and Cooks for Allen Robinson tonight. Oh. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. okay with that. That gets you your true one. Uh, Cooks Cooks is going to be up and down. He's the only guy in Houston who's going to consistently see targets. Um, Allen Robinson is a fringe wide receiver one, right? Like he's always at the end of the season, he's always in the top 15. He's going to see the quarterbacks. Him. Remember that he's on the roster. Yeah. And that'll come back around. That'll come back around. So I, I like the trade. Good for him. Yeah. I like it as well, guys. Let's go ahead and hit up um, the clutch and not so much for your own fantasy teams there. So who came up clutch and who was not so much. Uh, much like my shine. I followed my own advice and started Aaron Jones everywhere. I had him. And he was very clutch. I also have a crap ton of Derrick Henry across multiple dynasty formats. And Derrick Henry, yes, was very clutch. Um, there were a couple couple of those leagues where I, I, I wasn't looking too pretty. I had bad week ones, mainly because both those guys kind of bit the dust and turn around in week two. And they're the cause for me winning um, as many leagues as I did this week. So definitely my clutch performers were... Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry, my not so much, my boy AK, Kamara, I, Peyton, Sean Peyton. <laughs> what the <laughs> crap, man? Like, you have zero pass catchers on this roster, and I get it. The Panthers came out and laid the wood to the Saints. Like, they were not buying the hype that people were giving the Saints after week one, and Carolina said, oh, yeah, watch this, and good for them. It was it was great if you're a Panthers fan. Um, Christian McCaffrey had another great day, but Alvin Kamara, just holy crap. Eight carries, five yards. I think, what was it? Three receptions for 20. Let me look this up. Oh, excuse me. Four receptions for 25 yards. That's it. So he saw 12 touches. The best player on the field saw 12 touches. Like that, the, the Saints are never going to win playing like that. And now they've done it in back to back weeks. They got lucky in week one, week two, mm, not so much. Do uh, do you think it was Alvin Kamara uh, lighting Sean Payton's uh, game script from last week? That that's what the fire was at the Caesar Superdome today. Uh, that, that quite possibly been. could have been. <laughs> I think that might. It have could been have been Kamara taking that was. game plan, lighting it on fire, and just saying "f this," <laughs> and it just landed on the roof and caught the roof on fire. That's entirely possible. That's a. I would not rule that out of the realm of possibility. All right, my uh, my clutch performer, um, and I went to the home league for all of these. 
which was a losing effort nevertheless. But a uh, clutch performer on a guy that I picked up on waivers out of desperation was Taylor Heineke uh, for the Washington football team. Had a great performance on a short week um, and uh, being thrust into QB1. Uh, he completed 34 of his 46 pass attempts, which is great in our league because you get a point per pass attempt. Uh, had 336 yards. not attempt. Oh, sorry. Uh, whatever. Uh, had 336 yards, two touchdowns, did have the one interception, and uh, ran the ball uh, for like six yards or something. But put up a very, very good number for me. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough because I was going up against Aaron Jones on Monday night, and that, that stung a lot. A lot, a lot. Yeah, that one hurt. Uh, my not so much uh, can't, coming from my tight end room, which I told Kevin early on Sunday that the reason he's going to beat me, this was before I realized that Aaron Jones was going to go for four touchdowns on Monday. Uh, the reason he's going to beat me is because I've gotten zero production out of my tight end room. Uh, and my tight end room consists of Zach Urich, which I know you, all, you guys are going to let me know about that one. He had one reception on two targets for six yards and uh, now he's ended up on the COVID list, so fun. We're we're really enjoying the tight end room here over the off constantly uh, HQ, and uh, it was okay because his performance happened to be better than his backup on my bench, which is Cole Komet, who had one reception for zero yards. That is brutal production out of one that position. crucial decision is why you won best manager because you started your best <laughs> <I> possible <know>. <laughs> lineup <laughs> that's the only reason that i got best possible manager losing by 86 points or whatever it was 88 points uh and uh yeah that was that was a, a brutal brutal award to win um but i did win it because i picked zach Ertz and his one catch for six yards over cole Komet's one catch for zero yards that is uh, that is astounding, there, good sir. Um, Little word actually, to the wise: your buddy Jack Doyle sitting on waivers, man. You I know go he pick is. him up. You, sh- you shut your mouth. You shut your hey, mouth, don't. Uh, that's next segment is waiver wire targets there, and I'm sure Alex will have a few choice uh, pickups there when it comes to uh, the tight end room. Since he's been with looking a heartbeat up. and hands, that's who I'm targeting on the waiver wire this this week. It's great to know. That's great to know. My clutch came from the Thursday night game. Terry McLaurin go in beast mode. Um, oh, sorry, that was the wrong guy, wrong position. But we'll still uh, still say that he went off eleven for fourteen, one oh seven and one touchdown. But not so much came from the Sunday night game, and that was Clyde Edwards-Alaire, only thirteen carries for forty six yards and a fumble. Uh, so definitely not so much there. But I had enough firepower to make it through on the rest of those positions. So I uh, ended up pulling that one out and get and still getting a W there. Waiver wire targets, where we're heading now. Guys, what are your thoughts for some waiver wire targets out there? Uh, super flex leagues, you got to be at least looking at David Mills, right? Like mm-hmm. tie rods on the IR. So you know you have at least three weeks with, with this guy as Houston's starting quarterback. Um I think you need to take a look at JD McKissick, right? With with um, Gibson not really producing like we thought he would at this high level. McKissick had a big Thursday night game. Heineke seems to look for him quite a bit, so I think that's a sneaky running back add. Um, Cordell Patterson is an, another guy. I'm not giving so much weight to Cordell Patterson, guys. Like I think that was the game script because of 
playing Tampa Bay. I don't know that that's their week in and week out go to. Um, so he's on there, but he's not a guy that I'm spending like more than two bucks worth of fab budget on, quite frankly. Um, and then tight ends, um, you know, a sneaky tight end play, Albert O out for the Broncos. Like he's been seeing, you know, five or six targets a game. He's gotten into the end zone. Like uh, Teddy obviously trusts him. So there's a sneaky deep sleeper at tight end. Um, then you still have the likes of Jack Doyle, who's out there. Um, Dawson Knox, who caught a touchdown this past weekend. Uh, in a lot of week, in a lot of leagues, Anthony Furtzker is back on the um, waiver just because he had a crappy week one and then was sat in week two. So there's a couple options there for tight end for you there, Alex, if uh, if you are in so inclined to listen. Uh, yeah, I would also add to this uh, the waiver wire that um, pay attention to what's going on in Miami and uh, Jacoby Brissett would be um, somebody that you may want to look into. While they're saying that maybe Tua may not miss time, it's a rib injury, guys. And, I mean, you don't realize how much you use or you will feel uh, those ribs when you're trying to throw a pass or maybe, you know, standing in the pocket while there's a 300-pound, six-foot-five guy trying to destroy your ribs again. Um, So pay attention to the injury news that's coming out of Miami. Um, Last I'm seeing here is that it may not make him miss time, but I don't know that that's going to be the case. So Jacoby Brissett would be somebody to also um, keep in mind if you're in, you know, one of those deep leagues, super flex league, uh, and you need a starting quarterback in that super flex spot. Yeah. All right. So a couple others, ones in a one QB type of league. There's a couple of interesting names out there that have been having some decent performances, right? Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, and even Teddy Bridgewater are all around about the 15 to 20% rostered range in single QB league. So uh, keep an eye out on all of those. Daniel Jones has been putting up some very good performances in a single uh, QB league where you're doing some streaming of the quarterback. That would actually be my top target for that. He's got a juicy matchup against Atlanta, and you know he is the RB1 for New York as well. So uh, certainly uh, a way to put up some double points uh, out of the QB position there. Uh, Kevin already hit up a lot of what I would tell you as far as uh, running backs went through. And with the tight ends, a couple of other guys to keep an eye out that are less than 50% rostered. Austin Hooper is still uh, less than 50% rostered. And Cleveland right now is in need of some pass catching options there with Jarvis Landry hitting the IR earlier today. Odell Beckham still not out there. So yeah, Austin Hooper could be a potential waiver wire target there as well. Guys, any other thoughts here for the waiver wire? I think uh, Rondell Moore is a guy that Mm -hmm. you want to take a look at being a part of that Arizona high powered offense, obviously had a big week. He's leading the league in yards after the catch right now. So you get to pick up that yak. Um, Quintez uh, Cephas, the Detroit Lions wide receiver, uh, had a decent first half, at least, against the Green Bay Packers. The second half, he kind of fell off a little bit. But again, the Packers are going to be playing from a negative game script a lot this season. So um, TJ Hawkinson can't catch them all. So he's he's another option. Um, And here's a sneaky one that people may not be paying attention to, but might be worth a buck. If you're scrounging for running backs, uh, Jacques Patrick um, is the new San Francisco 49er 
that just got signed to the team. They picked him up off the Cleveland or excuse me, the Cincinnati Bengals practice squad with Trey Sermon down with a concussion. Jamichael Hasty's banged up. Mitchell got dinged up just a little bit. He missed a little bit of time in the middle of that game, too. They have to hand the ball off to somebody. It's a run first team, and you're not going to let Jimmy G go out and throw it 50 times a game. So maybe not, you know, plug and play, but he is a guy that if you're hurting for running back depth, you stash him, you see how it plays for a week or two, and maybe he ends up playing a strong role for the Niners. So he's an option out there as well. Yep. Um, Another thought on that Niners team there as well is you've got uh, Jeff Wilson that should be coming off of the IR soon. A lot of leagues that he is not rostered, um, wasn't drafted because of the time missed. This is the time of year if you're in one of those leagues to start kind of looking at some of that and potentially adding him, uh, especially if you have like an IR slot, something like that, where you can stash him because when he comes back, I think he'll get a very healthy role in this offense as well. So uh, the Yeti Express saying it's the San Francisco or the San Fran roulette. I would absolutely agree with you on that one. Not wrong. Um, not wrong. No, no, you're not wrong. Another question coming in. This one from Cash's Stylus. Uh, Cash, welcome back. Uh, do appreciate you tuning in to us. Uh, I, I know this is a couple of times we've had some questions from you, and every time we appreciate them. Sup, gents. How do you all feel about trading Tyson Williams and Robert Tanyan for Logan Thomas and Javante Williams? Hmm. On I paper, <laughs> I can see yeah. why you like it. In actuality, I, I think it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, honestly. Like, I don't think you're getting any sort of significant improvement one side or the other. Logan Thomas is still the third option on that Washington team. That's about where Tanyan is with Green Bay. Um, Tyson Williams at least gets first crack at all these running back reps. Javante Williams is still truly in a split carry mode. So I think I think Tyson Williams will emerge being more of the dominant ball carrier as the season goes on. So I would hold on to him personally. Um, because uh, Logan Thomas and Javante Williams in a redraft league don't don't do it for me right now. Yeah, I I would would lean. Uh, you know, to me, the best player in this deal is Tyson Williams right now. Right now, the best player in this deal is Tyson Williams. And when I when I'm evaluating a trade, I always look for who got the best player in the deal. Um, some sometimes you know the 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 complementary pieces will will help, um, but to me. When this is position for position, you know, straight up, I think you the best player in the deal is Tyson Williams right now. And and so that's, you know, the side that I would lean towards. So I'm not sure that I like if you're getting Tyson Williams, that's a great deal for you. Uh, if you're giving him up, I I would maybe reevaluate. So if memory serves right, because I, I think uh, Cashes has sent in his roster to us previously, and if memory serves right, oh, yeah, Tyson right. Tyson Williams, roster. yeah, like this was one of those that we were like, you know, was this like a, a six man league, and it like, and it was a ten man league, and he he did some amazing things with that roster. So um, if memory serves right, Tyson Williams is like the fifth back um, on here. Um, so I actually kind of like the move because of the fact that. Um, again, I don't know from what we've seen on, uh, Baltimore that you're going to see Tyson Williams really get a dominant, uh, role there, 
but I do like uh, Javante Williams for the back half of the season. So I like the move from that aspect. And uh, to be perfectly honest with you, Cash, I could uh, argue it either way. A couple of other uh, comments coming in here uh, from Jay Gonzalez. Trade Miles Sanders and Higgins for Metcalf. Alex, this is actually a, uh, <laughs> is a very – we. Uh, so for everybody that uh, – we'll peel the curtain back here a little bit. And earlier today there was a trade uh, trade suggestion that came in for us to, to evaluate, to ask who we thought won the trade, things like that. Uh, DK Metcalf was involved in that, and Alex actually had a very interesting take on that. So, Alex, I'm going to let you kick this one off with, would you trade Miles Sanders and Rashad Higgins for – or, I'm sorry, that's probably T. T Higgins. Higgins. Probably T. Higgins, I'm going to say right? it's T, probably T. Higgins. Would yeah. you trade Miles Sanders and T. Higgins for Metcalf? Uh, all right, so I went and did a numbers dive because I said, and I meant to include in the text when I replied back, was uh, Metcalf isn't the isn't a wide receiver one, and then I meant to include the Ducks because I know that people were going to be coming for my head uh, on that on that take. Here's the deal. Uh, on this Seattle team, yes, DK Metcalf is a very valuable asset and a very good receiver. But the receiver that you want on Seattle's offense, he goes by the name of Tyler Lockett. And that's he, that's the other side. Uh, and I, I, I did some some digging. I've got some numbers to to back up my, my assertion here. Uh, and while it is negligible, I want you to know that uh, I still wholeheartedly um, believe in this. I'm glad you think that because that's that's not actually the case. Um, so here we go. Uh, I went back to week 12 of last year, and the reason why I picked week 12, you're probably saying that's an arbitrary place. The reason why I did that was because between week 12 and week 17, DK and Tyler Lockett each had a game where they had double-digit receptions on double-digit targets. Um, and so that's, that's why I picked week 12 from last year, go up through um, the first two weeks of this year. So last year from week 12 in the regular season uh, through week 17, uh, where Tyler Lockett had an amazing game for fantasy purposes, it doesn't really work, but we still count those numbers when we're doing um, evaluations on the player's stats uh, regardless, right? So week 17 stats count, even though you may not be playing fantasy football in week 17. If you are, um, stop, stop playing fantasy football the last week of the season. It will ruin friendships. So here we go. Uh, Tyler Lockett had 33 catches uh, through weeks 12 through 17, the last six weeks of the season, right? 33 catches on 44 targets, 306 yards, two touchdowns. Those both came, those two touchdowns, by the way, both came in week 17, uh, where he had 12 catches on 14 targets for 90 yards and the two tutties. DK Metcalf, he had 35 catches on 52 targets for 441 yards and one touchdown. So he had one less touchdown. He had he had 140 more yards on two extra catches. Um yeah, that did happen. I, I hold on. Uh <laughs> let's add in this year's stats. Uh the Yeti Express who said I owned Russ and Lockett last year. Wilson had a huge decline along with Lockett. It did happen. Uh, it also, you know, Metcalf declined. That whole team declined, right? Uh, two games this year, Tyler Lockett has 12 receptions on 16 targets, 278 yards, and three touchdowns. DK this year has 10 catches on 16 targets, 113 yards, 
and one touchdown. So through eight games, basically half a season, right? That's what we're looking at. Through eight games, Tyler Lockett has 45 catches on 60 targets for 584 yards, five touchdowns. DK Metcalf, 45 catches on 68 targets, 559 yards. So he's got less yards and two touchdowns. So while they're both great receivers, Tyler Lockett is more efficient over the last eight games, has had more yards and more touchdowns. That's what I spent the better part of my night doing. That was the uh, that was the mic drop. You know what you uh, you you got a round of applause there from the Yeti Express saying, "Well done on that one." So, Kevin, I know that you had a, another side of a take on uh, on the DK Metcalf side of things. So, what are your thoughts here? Oh, I I love me some DK. I love me some DK, and and you do love the DK, don't you? Ooh, funny. Um, so. While teams are playing up on DK, Lockett is getting behind them. This this whole thing will balance out, right? Like we saw this last year. They started out on Lockett. That's where DK took off. Then they shifted over. Now Lockett's taking out. Like this is what happens when you have two really good receivers. The, you got to pick your poison. After two weeks and seeing all the deep balls that Russ is throwing, defenses are going to start playing back. You're going to see some more cover three against Seattle, so they're probably going to start running the ball a little bit more, honestly. But what it does is it allows DK to play in space because they're going to be playing back. They're going to be worried about the deep ball. So I like DK. Um, Russ has Russ has two modes, right? You have your first 10 weeks of Russell Wilson and in your last seven, eight weeks of Russell Wilson. And you kind of see that spike around week eight, nine, ten, and then Russ kind of falls off a cliff. Um, <laughs> <some real people. laughs> you're, you're not wrong. Yeti, you're getting ahead of you're getting ahead of the show doc here, Yeti. <laughs> Quick jump so, ahead on the show notes. Um, so all that being said, I like DK. I like the big body receivers. Like if I when I'm going after a wide receiver one. I want the true X. I want the big bodied guy. I want the guy who's going to be able to high point footballs. And quite frankly, DK is just as fast as Tyler Lockett. They're just having him run different types of routes because he's bigger and can absorb some of that over the middle stuff. So for me, I, as long as you have the running back depth and not that Mike miles Sanders is great running back depth, but if you can get Debo from miles Sanders and T Higgins, I do it. I do it. Um, for me personally, yes, DK is the number one. Yes, Lockett has seen more targets recently. That's fine. But I'm telling you, Russ is giving Russ. Excuse me, Russ is taking what the defense is giving him, and the reason he's taking Tyler Lockett is because everyone realizes that DK is the number one, and they're trying their best to shut him down. Yes, I uh, I would agree with that one as well. And Alex, I think you and I came to the decision that we were going to agree to disagree on on that one back when it's we covered valid argument back in the Seattle side of things when we were talking uh, preseason and when we were doing the evaluations on those teams. So um, 
yeah, no, I, I, I think that you'll, I think you guys both make some great arguments there and I think we'll see some things come to light. And personally, I'd probably take the, uh, the DK uh, side there just because I think the upside is coming there. Another question coming in. Would you guys trade McLaurin for CD lamb? Ooh. And I guess, I guess uh, I would ask if, or are on the YouTube. Is that a dynasty league? Is that a redraft league? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I wouldn't trade McLaurin. If if Terry McLaurin's going to continue to see eleven to fourteen targets a week, I, I you got to stay with Terry McLaurin. Like he's it's, he's the true pass catcher for that Washington team, and Heineke likes feeding him the ball. Um, I, I truly believe that Fitzpatrick, who loves forcing the ball down the field, will be the exact same way. Like uh, you can see huge numbers out of Terry McLaurin this year. And as much as I like CD Lamb, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that Dallas offense, right? Like we saw what happened week one. CD looked great because they needed to pass, and that's how the game script looked. Week two, not so much. Um, CD still was in the offense, but was Mari Cooper disappear. It was definitely more uh, focused around Zeke and Tony Pollard. So I, I think I'm keeping McLaurin in a redraft league. Honestly, I like CD lamb a crap ton, but Terry McLaurin's the true alpha there. And it's hard to give up a true alpha for a guy who's playing one B. I think that the question you got to ask yourself, you know, is like, uh, how many times do you think, Terry McLaurin just had what? How, what was the target? Target I, fourteen. I know, we just Eleven to 14. fourteen. So he just had a, a game where he had fourteen targets. That's possible with Terry McLaurin. Are we ever going to see a game where CD gets targeted fourteen times by Dak? Oh, absolutely. One? How about week one? This season he did. Okay. How many of those like, did he catch? Not not eleven. <laughs> how so. many drops did he have? <laughs> He had a couple. I think, I think he was eight. I think he was eight of fourteen with two drops and a tutty. Yeah. So yeah. It was a very so like it was I a very McLaurin is the safer the safer play. And actually, you know what? Thank you, Yeti Express, many, uh, chiming in there. Times? He's is seven, seven of fifteen. Okay. Yeah, and and what did we say that Dallas was not going to do? Throw the ball fifty eight times ever again. Well, no, I said that wasn't the recipe for success. Correct. I'm not putting it past Mike McCarthy to let him air it out sixty times a game. Right. It's just not how Dallas is going to get back into the playoffs. Right. So, um, and the reason I asked if it was for dynasty or if it was redraft is redraft. I am sticking with Terry McLaurin on this one dynasty. I'm probably pulling the trigger for CD lamb on that one, just because I see the, um, yeah, I, I see bigger things for CD down the road, but, uh, luckily in the home league, I don't have to make that decision because both of them are rostered on my team and can't be happier about that one. So our hope we answered your question there. Uh, guys, let's go ahead and head on over into the Thursday night game. We uh, we got the Panthers going to the Texans. Panthers are favored by seven and a half. The over under on this one's 44. What are your thoughts on this game? Uh, okay, so I will take the Panthers to cover the seven and a half. And uh, I think they might hit the over by themselves. Um, so I, I I am taking the over. Uh, over 44, Panthers to cover seven and a half. I'm going to take the Panthers to cover as well, but I'm going to take the under. I don't think Houston's going to be able to do squat. 
And quite frankly, once this game gets out of reach, you're going to see starters exit this game rather quickly for Carolina. You're not going to risk injury to Christian McCaffrey. Chuba Hubbard's going to go in and get some run. Um, You know, obviously you can't pull every single receiver for the Panthers, but you could see DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson exit fairly early um, and let uh, Terrence Marshall and the cast of characters behind them kind of take over there in the fourth quarter or part of the fourth quarter. So um, because I don't think Houston's going to move the ball very well, this could get out of hand at, you know, 30 to three and you're just going to see starters exit the game. Yeah, you very well could be right about that because the, the Panthers' defense actually looks legit this year. They uh, they seem to be much improved on that side of the ball. That was one of the, kind of the downsides you saw in previous years. Doesn't seem to be the case this year, but I do like the Panthers to cover, and I do like the over on this one uh, because, again, it's not going to surprise me if you see Carolina put up you know, 35 points or so, and you'll see Houston probably squeak out 7 to 10 somewhere in there. So I could see this one. Uh, they, they set that line very well uh, as far as I can – as I'm concerned on that one. Here's an interesting question for y'all. We've seen this play out in, um, in years past with a, the guy behind Tyrod Taylor for happened first with Baker happened again with Herbert. Are we seeing anything for Davis mills? I think Davis mills is going to have to find a way to win a game or two. And, I just don't see this happening. Like the stars can't be aligned that much against Tyrod Taylor. He's not going up against the number one overall draft pick in um, (laughs) Baker Mayfield. He doesn't have a trainer jamming a needle into his lung and puncturing it. And then leading the way for Justin Herbert, like Tyrod. I think Tyrod's safe at this point. Houston understands they don't want to be the laughing stock of the NFL. They know that they have some rebuilding to do, but they don't want to be a laughing stock while they're doing it. So I think Tyrod's safe because he looked good. He, he yeah. looked good for a game and a half, right? Until he got hurt. Oh, Tyrod yeah. looked really good. He was hitting the deep ball, he was moving around a little bit. Like he was actually a reason to watch the Texans be semi entertaining. And good Lord, man, if, if he doesn't come back, you might see like, 5,000 people show up at Reliance Stadium in Houston. By the yeah. way, if if he uh, if he does, and I remember we did this at the beginning of the season where we did our you know comeback player of the year, would have been a great candidate for this. Unfortunately, that's maybe, maybe next year. Maybe next year he gets comeback player of the year. Um, the, Derek, you brought up the, the two quarterbacks that replaced Tyrod Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the number one overall draft pick in Baker Mayfield, a first-round draft pick in Justin Herbert. Number six Davis overall. Mills, yeah, Davis Mills is neither of those things. He is not Correct. the number one overall pick. He is not number six overall. He's not a first-round. He's not even a second-round draft pick. He's a third-round draft pick out of Stanford, uh, You know the school notoriously known for uh, producing really great quarterbacks, um, Andrew Luck and John Elway excluded. Um, but – uh, it just, yeah, I don't think this is going to be the curse of Tyrod when it comes to uh, to the, this this quarterback being the one that supplants him and makes the Houston Texans forget about Tyrod. I think they'll be begging for Tyrod to come back. You very well may be right. I just wanted to bring it up there because it was an interesting thought. All righty, guys. One other question coming in here from the Yeti Express. Random question. How high are you guys on Jalen Hurts in Dynasty? 
Um, Dynasty, I don't know that I'm that high um, on him long term because I don't think the Eagles think that that's necessarily their guy with all the talks that we've seen coming through. Uh, This season, coming into it, I was pretty high on him. I saw him being a top 10 type of QB, but long term, I I don't know that that, uh, he's really going to get the shot. I think he's, he's fine. I think he's got his rookie deal, right? He's got his rookie deal to play out. If uh, any, you know, if there's any indication of how the Eagles like to do their quarterbacks, they like to sign him to a massive extension, then bench their quarterback, and then trade him away uh, the following season. So uh, I still think Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback in the NFL, whether it's with the Eagles uh, or with another team um, somewhere in the Midwest, for instance. Um, we'll just see uh, if he goes on the replacing Carson Wentz tour. <laughs> I think Jalen Hurts has to find a way to win these closely contested games, right? The, this game against San Francisco at home is a game that franchise quarterbacks find a way to win those games. Jalen Hurts isn't quite there yet. Yes, he's dynamic on the ground. Yes, he can cause havoc for defensive coordinators, but where he struggles most is in negative game script. And so he has to improve upon that before the Eagles are going to do anything about solidifying him as their franchise quarterback going forward. You know what would be a good idea for Jalen Hurts uh, in negative game script is to, um, you know, teams usually play back and try to defend, you know, the deep shot because they don't care if you're going to move the ball, you know, dink and dunk it down the field. Perhaps, perhaps, you know, throwing the football to a tight end would, would be a good idea. Perhaps Zach Ertz would be a great option for him to throw to. <laughs> yeah. And Alex would be a big fan of that for his fantasy roster there as well. All right. So cash Silas uh, chimed in and say, asking, speaking of Herbert, how do y'all see the rest of the season shaking out for him? I see, I see him shaking out just fine. I, I think he'll have a good finish. I hope it's good. I drafted him in the first round because I freaked out in our good old boys. League. <laughs> yeah. Good. I, Oh, hell yeah. You have him as the yeah, as your QB two. That's that's yeah. for Hertz. Herbert will be yeah, oh Hertz. Uh, Hertz yeah. is a great QB two yes. also. Yeah. Hertz is QB great Dynasty. on the Herbert side of things. He'll be just fine. We saw him checking down and using Austin Eckler a bit more. Mike Williams has done a good job. We've kind of seen um a reemergence of him as a consistent fantasy contributor, uh playing uh, his role as kind of the X on on the Chargers. So Herbert's going to be fine. Um, they just need to get through, again, another team that didn't play anybody in the preseason. So they're working through this. No need to panic. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's go ahead and head over into the Pine and Shine for week three. Who do you got for your Pines and your Shines going into the week three matchups? All right, I will start with my pine. Um, and while I've not, I, I, you know, I think I'm 50% uh, right now on the season on the pines, or at least in, in pine and shine altogether, I feel pretty good about this one. Uh, coming off of a four-interception performance, uh, I'm picking Zach Wilson to have another bad week. So if you've got uh, Zach Wilson as a quarterback, Look for a different option. The Denver Broncos defense is one of the bright spots of uh, this season for Broncos fans. They've got the fourth best pass defense in terms of yards uh, in the NFL this season. So uh, teams are are struggling. And granted, they've played Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence. So not great quarterbacks have done not great things against them. 
I would put Zach Wilson in the not great quarterback category right now. And they don't do good things against this Denver Broncos defense. So uh, Zach Wilson should find his way to your bench this week. Probably some good advice. My pine is going to be Daryl Henderson. I know he's a little banged up, but even if he plays, I'm not necessarily looking to play him. He is going up against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, as we know, has a very, very good defense and giving up the third lowest points against running backs this year. And you just see it every game. They they just you're you're unable to get anything going with them. So I am pining the uh, uh, Daryl Henderson, and moreover, probably pining the Rams running backs on that one. My pine for the week is going to be Debo Samuel, who has been off to a really hot start here to start the season, um, but he has not faced Jair Alexander and. Uh, for those of you who don't follow defensive football all that much, um, Alexander is probably a top three cornerback in this league. He is a true shutdown guy, and I think that's who they're going to have on Debo throughout the game. So it's going to be tough sledding for Debo, um, and for that reason, he is going to be on my pine list this week. I like it. Alex, the Yeti Express is uh, agreeing with you on your uh, your pine there, saying Zach Wilson was his least favorite QB. Uh, BYU played the 63rd toughest schedule, and he looked bad against Coastal Carolina. Wasn't a high school prospect until his senior year. All right, guys, let's go ahead and head on over into the shines. Who you got shining out? All right, so we kind of touched on this a little earlier in the show, thanks to Yeti Express. Uh, I'm going to go with Tyler Lockett. Maybe it's because I did all this research about how good he's been and I want him to come to fruition a little bit more. Um, but they are playing uh, Minnesota this week. And uh, Minnesota has the 26th best, <laughs> the worst. They're, they're 26th in the NFL when it comes to pass defense. And I think Zim has enough of an ego that uh, he ain't going to uh, – um, <laughs> that's a funny – that's very funny. Uh, he's, he's, he's going to have enough of an ego that he's not going to want to let DK Metcalf, um, beat him. So Tyler Lockett getting a lot of balls thrown his way, uh, as he and Russ continue to, to cook, isn't it? Let right. Russ cook. Isn't that the, the thing? Yes. Yes. That was the thing. That was, that was the thing. Kevin, uh, cash is, uh, is uh, chiming in saying that Jair is top two and he ain't number two. So uh, he uh, he agrees with your take there of he is one of the best corners out there, but he uh, takes a step further saying he is the best corner. My shine is Marquise Hollywood Brown. Jalen Ramsey might have something to say about that, but it's okay. It's a good <laughs> argument. And, and like to have a word. <laughs> well, it's, that's a good debate, I mean, maybe for a different time, but I do think Jalen Ramsey might have something to say about that right now. Actually, we can chime that one up right uh, right around when we get to the um, you know Philip Rivers first ballot Hall of Fame uh, debate that we'll we'll do this coming that's up. That's no debate. That's no debate. That's not that's not a debate. <laughs> All right. Well, my my shot. I finally get to talk about Marquise Hollywood Brown here uh, playing Detroit. Detroit has um, been giving up some big plays to to wide receivers over the course of the year. Uh, you saw Debo Week One. You saw. While a lot of that uh, touchdown work went to uh, Aaron Jones this past week, Devontae Adams still put up a very big week against them. And Marquise Hollywood-Brown has had six or more targets every game this year and has been putting up touchdowns in both both of those games. 
the Detroit uh, secondary isn't great to the point where they can give up those big plays. And uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown is a guy that can get behind the defense and, you know, just break one off. He's a one touch type of guy. So again, I see a very big, big week ahead of Marquise Hollywood Brown. Kevin, who's your shine? Uh, my shine this week is going to be Sterling Shepard going up against the Atlanta Falcons. So um, if you guys are out there, you're looking for a flex play, um, you're you're a little undecided. Uh, I'm going to take my stab at Sterling Shepard uh, in the flex spot where we're needed. Um, the Atlanta defense is terrible. Uh, Daniel Jones has been off to a pretty solid start. So it's not that he's turning the ball over six times a game. So I, I think that'll continue. And Sterling Shepard's kind of been his security blanket. It hasn't been Kenny Galladay. Um, Darius Slayton can't catch the deep pass for touchdowns that cost them games on Thursday night football. But Sterling Shepard's been the constant. And as long as he stays healthy, I think that continues into this week. So Sterling Shepard is going to be my shine of the week so I can go three for three. I like it. I like it. Uh, Yeti Express saying the shine for him is uh, Chris Godwin. Um, that uh, that could be an interesting one with the uh, Tampa Bay going up against the Rams defense. I like it. Brady ain't scared of nobody. True. Them's facts. True. Uh, I'd like to so- throw Gronkowski out there. Shoot, dude's probably got another <laughs> two touchdowns. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Cash is uh, is chiming back in on the Jalen Ramsey takes in uh, slow elastic arm. I'm not real sure how that reads, but uh, I think he up man to man. That's what he's saying. There we go. Man to man. There we go. So Kevin, he disagrees with you. Um, (laughs) He expressed chiming in on, on the Sterling Shepard side of things that uh, rest in peace, Kenny G and Cash Silas saying, no, he's not a salty Jags fan. Oh, Uh, no, it, makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> it, it does start to make a little sense there. Um, I'm just glad that we had two Oklahoma, two former Oklahoma players in the shine category this week. That uh, made me feel a little good there. All right, guys. So any other thoughts on the pine and shine? Pick one yeah. to fade. Pick pick one of mine to fade. Either Zach Wilson goes ham or Tyler Lockett's got nothing. But fade one of mine this week. It's bound to happen. <laughs> these teams have had two weeks to knock some rust off for not playing starters in the preseason now's when you start getting a real idea of these offensive philosophies and concepts you play your studs don't get cute um don't try and outsmart it based off of what the first two weeks did play the guys you drafted for a reason and ride this out for another two weeks before any sort of hasty decision Absolutely. I like that advice guys. We've got, uh, we're going to head over into the thrive props there. And are you guys looking for a new way to play DFS? Download the thrive fantasy app today on the Google play store or the Apple app store. New users get a 100% deposit match instantly up to $100 when using the promo code G O B F F that's G O B F F. They have over unders on player props for more sports than just the NFL, including free rolls on various sports. Again, that promo code for a 100% deposit match instantly up to $100 is G-O-B-F-F. So, guys, we've got some Thrive thrive over-unders here, some props going on here. What were your guys' takes here? Which one of these Thrive props are you taking? Okay, so I I initially had uh, a different one from the one that I settled on uh, because I looked at the points and I, I – 
I actually thought uh, this one would give me more points because they associate an over with points and an under with points here uh, on Thrive Fantasy. So I have taken Calvin Ridley over half of a receiving touchdown. The Giants have given up at least two passing touchdowns in each game. I think that Ridley probably gets – I think that Cal, uh, um, that the, the Falcons probably have three or four passing touchdowns in this game, uh, and Ridley gets at least one of them. So – uh, that one would get me like 115 points. Meanwhile, the under uh, would get you uh, less points. So I don't, I, th- I don't think Thrive Fantasy thinks that uh, Ridley's going to get a touchdown. But take the over on a uh, half a receiving touchdown for Calvin Ridley. I like it, Kevin. What uh, what was your be- what was your uh, your matchup you're taking? I am going to take Jared Goff over one and a half total passing touchdowns. I I think that. Because the Lions are playing from a negative game script, we saw that they still fight, guys. Like, Dan Campbell has this team motivated to fight. They know that they're not the most talented team, but they're not going to roll over for anybody, at least at this point in the season. Um, TJ Hawkinson has been showing very, very well from the tight end position. We saw... um, Cephas make some pretty good plays on the outside. Amon Ross St. Brown is getting involved on top of the fact that you still have uh, Swift and Williams coming out of the backfield. So there's a lot of options here for golf when they get negative game script for him to throw the ball probably another 40 times as they try and keep pace with this Baltimore running attack. And I think he finds the end zone twice through the air. Uh, Very well. Could be. I like that. Uh, The thrive points. The reason why I switched was because they think the over is going to hit on that one. The under is worth more points, but I, I still think you're going to get points if you are you take the over there. Absolutely. So I took Lamar Jackson over 286.5 passing and rushing yards uh, going up against that Detroit Lions uh, you know, defense there. I just see him, um, you know, putting up 300 total yards when it's when it's all said and done, whether it's passing, whether it's rushing, whether it's a combination. So I'll take the easy one there. Uh, Got to give it to you, Alex. You're 2-0 and right now on the uh, on those Thrive props there. Kevin and I are both sitting 1-1, one and one, so good for you, sir. And, guys, we've got a couple of comments here, a couple of questions coming in, so we'll go ahead and hit some of those up. Cassius Stylus is uh, saying, my guy Kevin's is a Dogs fan, and yes, he is. Go Dogs. Go dogs, uh, boomer sooner, but, uh, all right. Yeti express saying he's seen a lot of DFS love for the lions early and it makes me puke, but I get it. Uh, they've been having some, some very interesting matchups and some very, if you, if you've been playing some of those and you've been doing some of those props, they've been hitting for you. Um, and it's been kind of nice there, but. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Kevin. Just going Baltimore made me think about this. What a murderer's row of tight ends Baltimore has faced to start the year. They had Darren Waller to open the season. They follow it up with Travis Kelsey. And then you get TJ Hawkinson. Like if the, if the lions can't script how to get Hawkinson open based off of watching the first two weeks of game film, that's when you need to be worrying about your coaching staff because they've seen everything now between Waller and Kelsey, You've seen just about every route that you could possibly throw out for a tight end and what works and what what doesn't against this Baltimore team. TJ Hawkinson should absolutely feast in this game. I would agree with you. And uh, Cash is saying sick him. For who? <laughs> I, I would say that's directed towards I'm Kevin. 
It's me. Exactly. All righty. So we've got a couple of questions in here as well. And so Cole on YouTube is saying start Swift Williams or Henderson if healthy. Um, that's an easy one for me. You're benching Daryl Henderson. I called that on my pine a little bit ago. Can you yeah, only choose? Who are you starting? Can you only choose one? <laughs> You're benching Henderson, but who are you starting? <laughs> mm. If it's just the one. If I'm starting, I'm going to go DeAndre Swift. So the question then becomes, right, like how do you see that thing playing out? Do you see Tyson Williams really being in there in the third and fourth quarter? Because I do believe that you're going to see that, uh, see them up by quite a bit there. And are you going to see them run that guy that's looked to be the best back? Or are you going to see them potentially go to a lap Marie, love bell, Dion, uh, Devonta Freeman type of thing and, and let those guys just, just wear the tread on the tires. I, I, it's the same argument on the opposite side for Swift though, ain't it? If, yep. if Detroit's <laughs> down big, don't you play Jamal Williams and save your, you could, but I think you're starting running back. I think you'll see both of them on the field and being inter- used interchangeably. Like we've seen the last two weeks. I, I like Swift for the PPR aspect. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably what tilts yeah. it, tilts it in that favor. Like we saw him with what eight targets. No, 11 targets in week one. And so I, I, I won't argue with anybody too much. If they say Tyson Williams. Yeah. Like I'm not going to argue with people if they want to start Tyson Williams, but being a full PPR, I, I think Swift will probably have five, five catches, which makes up for, you know, obviously 50 yards worth of production that, Tyson Williams is going to see from the ground because he might see a ball thrown his way, but it's not going to be much. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I see it is. He's probably going to get, you know, not much there. You'll see probably 50, 60 yards on the ground, but Deandre Swift will probably see between 30 and 40 yards on the ground and probably get five, six catches when it's all said and done for another 30, 40 yards type of thing is how I see that one playing out there. So uh, another question coming in. Um, Traded Darren Waller, Corey Davis, and Miles Sanders for Antonio Gibson, DJ Moore, and Tanyan yesterday. Who won the trade? Um, right now, the, the Darren Waller side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the like, guy who got Waller Davis. <laughs> but Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson. I mean, Miles Sanders is not. I mean, he's he's a, uh, you know, it, it, Kenneth Gainwell is going to be a problem for Miles Sanders. We're seeing that. Um, and those yeah, just the Philly offense needs to figure some things out before I get back on the Miles Sanders train. But Darren Waller is a very good, very good tight end option. Uh, and Corey Davis has been pretty, pretty stinking good. So um, I would say that side um, got the win. The upside of Gibson is appealing, right? Like mm-hmm. we, I don't think any of us mm-hmm. believe that Gibson has reached his potential in this Washington offense this season. So there's definitely some allure there. I like DJ Moore. He seems to be kind of the clear number one for uh, Sam Darnold at this point. So I can see where this makes some sense, right? If you feel like you're upgrading at running back with Gibson over Miles Sanders, Okay, and you feel like you're upgrading at a consistent wide receiver one with DJ Moore over a guy that you would play in the flex most weeks with Corey Davis. Okay, fine. And then you take the downgrade at tight end. So I can see where this fits a roster, but 
man, oh man, like you have to be damn sure about a trade where you know without a doubt you're giving up the best player. And there's a whole lot of upside and hope than there is sure things. And the sure thing is Darren Waller saw 19 targets in week (laughs) one. There was a little bit of reduction in week two, but the Raiders didn't really need it. They were running the ball more against Pittsburgh um, towards the tail end. They weren't in the shootout that they were with Baltimore at the tail end of the Monday night game. So I can see both sides, but I like the Waller side slightly more. Uh, Cashes would agree with that as well. Chiming in here, he thinks the other dude did. Uh, You'll be straight, though. It just matters how your roster shakes out and uh, you'll be filling roster holes. So again, I I think... uh, You're streaming tight ends now, right? And that's what it is. You go from trying to stream a wide receiver maybe on a, on a bad matchup with Corey Davis to now you're streaming tight ends. So it all's not lost. You can absolutely make up the points, especially if Gibson comes to fruition. Well, and you look at it too, Antonio Gibson has actually, so one of the things last year that set him apart was he was hyper efficient uh, for scoring touchdowns as far as, you know, touchdowns per, uh, per carry type of thing. This year, the opposite has held true where he's actually way under efficient, um, not a very good uh, grammatical sense there, but regardless, you get my point. So the efficiency, I think, will pick up as the season goes along. He's not necessarily utilized in the way that many of us had hoped that he he had been in the, both the passing game and the total touches that he's getting in that Christian McCaffrey role that you know we kept hearing coming out of the Washington football team. But the touchdowns will pick up. I think the efficiency picks up, and I think you'll be all right. He still needs to play the Cowboys twice, so you'll be okay because he yes. he does eat it up against the Cowboys defense. So, I again, it, it's he, not that it was a bad trade. It it, it was a honestly is probably a pretty damn fair trade. Mm-hmm. It just I I really need to see Washington use Gibson the way that everybody kind of anticipated it before you kind of say, yeah, we absolutely won that side. Okay, and we get a little more information on that one. He has Higby, Higby as well. Um, so you've got some some tight ends that you can go back and forth on. And the wide receivers now are Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, and DJ Moore, which he put in the flex. So, yeah, your wide receiver core is looking pretty solid there because I think you'll see Justin Jefferson pick up uh, as the season carries along. And DJ Moore is showing out to what I thought we would have seen last year kind of coming with that breakout. But um, what are the thoughts you got there? No, I think that I think that makes sense. He's solid at wide receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. Jefferson's going to continue to see it. DJ Moore, like we said, he's kind of the clear number one in Carolina. <clears throat> and, and T. Higgins, honestly, T. Higgins is probably your flex. It's not DJ, but that's neither here nor there. Just chatter. You change it week to week just based off when the games are played. So yep. you'll be fine. Higby and Tanyan, that's a pretty good tight end pairing to switch in and out based off of matchups. Um so overall, I, I do think you'll be sitting all right. Yep, I like it. And I will say, though, don't be surprised if Darren Waller goes ham in week 12 uh, because that is when – Is that Kevin when I play him next? Him yeah. Write it up now. We're, we're 10 it, weeks away. It, week 12, it, Darren Waller is going to have 10 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns just to <laughs> piss me off. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I, I, I think they do. I think they uh, – you know, go through and put a little like bulletin board material in his locker whenever he faces you. They've uh, they've got that figured out. The there. crazy thing, I have plenty of shares of him this year too because I refer I refuse to just be beat by Darren Waller. So I went out 
and changed my draft strategy to pick up Darren Waller in the late second, early third, depending on, you know, where I was drafting. So I wouldn't constantly get beat up by him. And week one, I faced Darren Waller and he smokes me I'm like, you right. son of a bitch. Um, another little bit more information coming in from Ryan on that team is running backs. Now are Dalvin cook, Antonio Gibson, miles Gaskin. Um, I kind of like that roster construction there. Um, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, I like it a lot. So very cool. Well, guys, I do believe that's, that's going to take us down to the end of this. Any final thoughts for the viewers and listeners? Seriously, panic. watch the Monday Manning cast. It is the best thing on television on Monday night. Again, no idea what was happening in the game except for after uh, Rodgers threaded that football to Robert Tanyan for that, that touchdown pass, Peyton Manning about lost his mind. <laughs> it was unbelievable uh, watching those guys watch um, great quarterbacks. It, it's so much fun. Watch the Manning cast on Monday night. If you don't have a dog in the fight, watch the Manning cast. I like it. Uh, Kevin, any final thoughts there? Uh, no, uh, we're, we're still early. Don't panic. Have some fun with it. Um, hit the waiver wire. Always be looking. Even if your roster construction you feel like is as perfect as can be, don't ever give up on the waiver wire. You never know what someone's willing to drop and and what you can pick up to help strengthen your roster. So don't give up on that. And and again, start your studs. Don't get cute. It's only week three. Even if you started 0-2, there's still plenty of time to come back in, in any leagues where you're 0-2. So have fun with it. And as always, you know, hit us up if you have questions. We're more than happy to help. Absolutely. So Yeti Express chiming in there. Final thought, Rondell Moore available. Pick him up now. May not be a bad option there. Also, uh, shout out to uh, Yeti Express. It, it's a rough time to be a Minnesota sports fan right now. Um, keep plugging away. Eventually, you'll die. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, guys. Final question coming in. We're going to answer this one real quick before we go. In a PPR 12-team Superflex, is either Quintess Cephas or Renfro worth a waiver claim? Cephas might be. Yep. Cephas. I think – if, depending on what your depth looks like at running back, if you need help, I mean, both of them are potential waiver claims. Yeah, you know, uh, depth is always a good thing. And if you have someone who's just taking up space on your roster, drop them and bring in something. Cephas probably first, being a uh, more of a true, I guess, first or second option. Renfro's really like the third or fourth option. In right. Oakland, or excuse me, in Las Vegas. So Cephas probably first, but Renfro's been consistently seeing, you know, six, seven targets a game. Absolutely. And uh, there you go, Alex. Yeti Express saying it's been a rough, uh, it's been rough for 30 years. So absolutely. Guys, I do believe that that's going to wrap up yet another episode of the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. We appreciate everybody tuning in, listening, uh, watching chiming in giving us all your questions we thoroughly love that and enjoy that so thank you very much for being part of the show and helping us out there if you can do us a favor hop over to youtube 
good old boys fantasy football podcast youtube channel click the subscribe button ring the bell we do this show live three times a week tuesday nights 11 p.m eastern friday nights 11 p.m eastern and sunday mornings at 11 45 a.m so we can get all of your start sit questions get you guys squared away preview matchups hit your waiver wires all of that kind of good stuff. One of the best ways to help support this independent podcast. Uh, you find us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Good Old Boys FF. Uh, connect with us, send us your questions, all those good stuff. We'll get back to you as quickly as you can. For Kevin and Alex, I'm Derek. Have a good one. Be safe.